0: This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. This is News Talk 980 CKNW. Well, hello and welcome to the show. I'm Sterling Fox. In just a few minutes, sommelier Clayton Donahue from Corkett Winemaking will join us to bring us all up to speed on the latest and tastiest developments in the winemaking industry, and he'll take your calls too. But first, here are some of the top consumer stories we're following this week. Canada's Federal Housing Agency, CMHC, is hiking the cost of mortgage loan insurance for home buyers soon as part of new regulations requiring CMHC to hold more capital to offset risks in the country's red hot real estate market. Canada Mortgage and Housing Corporation said Tuesday it doesn't anticipate the increases will have a major impact on new homeowners. It expects the changes will add less than 10 bucks to a monthly mortgage payment for a home buyer with an average CMHC insured loan of say 250,000. Now obviously the numbers will be higher here in Metro Vancouver. Critics of even this small move point to it being the latest in a long string of regulations brought down by the federal government making it more difficult to enter the housing market including the recent addition of the stress test. Well, it's all about curbing risk in the real estate market for CMHC who by the way predicts both house sales and new housing starts will decline this year before stabilizing next year. Oh, and this new mortgage loan insurance increase kicks in March 17th. You'll have a double on St. Patrick's Day remembering that one. Well, now that one of the year's peak travel windows has closed, American Airlines announced Wednesday that passengers will soon be able to buy basic economy tickets starting next month that will be similar to bare-bones fares already offered by Delta and soon to be matched by United Airlines. Now, up here, New Leaf in Canada is making similar noises, WestJet doing the same. If you want to get the cheapest fare on American or United, you'll have to leave that rolling carry-on bag at home. Passengers who pay basic economy rates on those carriers will be limited to one item that fits under their seat. No, not even wheeled bags that take up space in those overhead bins will be allowed. American didn't list prices for its version of basic economy, which will begin at 10 U.S. airports soon and then later be expanded nationwide. The idea behind the stripped-down ticket is for the big guys to be able to better compete with discount airlines for travelers on a tight budget. Like many European carriers, companies like Spirit and Frontier go after those customers with cheap fares and then they tack on fees for extras including use of the overhead bins so if you buy a basic economy fare on american you can expect this no seat assignment when a ticket is purchased no upgrades or changes allowed you will be in the last group to board the plane unless you're already a high level member of their loyalty program or hold an american branded credit card the deal is simple Just bring a single carry-on item that fits under the seat. Under the seat. Basic economy uh, customers who bring a big rolling bag to the gate for an American or United flight will get hit with a $25 check-in fee. Oh, and a separate $25 handling charge. That's right. 50 bucks. Oh, we've seen this coming for quite a while. It's been around in bits and pieces for years all over the world. Basic economy, by the way, is also part of an airline strategy to boost revenue by slicing and dicing the cabin into several types of seats, a trend called segmentation. We'll have more on how that works and for whom on another show. This announcement this week brought smiles to many video gamers of all ages. The Nintendo Switch video game will be out in Japan starting March 3rd, the same date as its global rollout here in North America and Europe as well. The Japanese company promises this device will be packed with fun features of all of its past machines and more. The makers of Super Mario and Pokemon announced details of the Switch's release Friday in Tokyo. The console will sell for two ninety nine. 99 in the States, retailers in Canada have the device listed at $399.99, and of course there'll be a bit of a price war when it all hits the shelves. This is an important move for Nintendo, who's had a few flat launches lately and has been playing catch-up after consumers dumped older machines in favor of using smartphones and personal computers to play games. The company also faces powerful rival game machine offerings from Microsoft and Sony. Nintendo says 50 software makers, including Vancouver's Electronic Arts and Sega, are preparing 80 games for the Switch. And we'll have more of this, by the way, uh, a little later on this afternoon with Mike Agarbo, the host of CKNW's Get Connected at 1.15. This next item has created quite a controversy. The Canadian press has reported McDonald's Canada has started serving its first food containing peanuts or tree nuts, not in an individual sealed package. A move critics say reverses its long-standing position as a safe place for people with food allergies. The company introduced a score McFlurry that contains chopped almonds in the pieces of a chocolate bar used to make the frozen treat. McDonald's said in a statement on its website that this means all of its other products may contain or come in contact with peanuts, tree nuts, or other allergens. Prior to this, the company only served individually packaged peanuts and tree nuts. McDonald's prior policy made it a kind of go-to place for many families who have to accommodate a member's nut allergy while dining out. People like the Food Allergy Canada Alliance, a nonprofit organization that advocates on behalf of people with food allergies, say now it's unclear... Whether individuals with any food allergies, about 2.5 million Canadians by the way, will be able to eat at that restaurant because of the company's overarching statement that encompasses all other allergens. And these people at Food Allergy Canada says that's disappointing, as one of the biggest challenges for 2.5 million people and their families is accessing safe meal options when they dine out. So they advised those families with nut-allergic members to let McDonald's know how displeased they are. The company said in a statement it is informing its guests of the change, quote so they can make an informed decision as to whether or not its Canadian restaurants are still suitable environments for them, and then declined to comment any further on the issue. Those are some of the stories we're following this week. We'll look at a couple more later. We'll also have a steel report, and today, Linda Talks Umbrellas. And in just a very few moments, you'll meet Clayton Donahue, our winemaker, and we'll take your calls as well, right here on Vancouver Consumer on Newstalk 980 CKNW. <coughs> It's 1115 and cloudy in downtown Vancouver this Sunday morning. Sterling Fox with you on Vancouver Consumer, joined in studio by Clayton Donahue. Mr. Donahue is from Corkit Winemaking in North Vancouver, and he is a winemaker. Hi, Clayton. Welcome to the Vancouver Consumer. Hi, thank you for having me. Well, it's good to have you with us. No problem at all. A winemaker, this uh, this store, your store, Corket Winemaking. The the idea of individuals making their own wine is kind of thousands of years old, really, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, and it became really popular. We really had a peak in popularity of the the
1: you brew and the you make it stores. When would that be? In the nineties? Yeah, I would say the the late nineties or sort of. Uh, yeah, up until the 2000s, but we've seen a little bit of a drop off in the urban centers in the last couple of years, but a bit of a growth in uh, far away, far, farther away communities and stuff like that. Okay, so yeah. now uh,
0: in in a lot of those cases in the 90s, you would go to a, a big store. There's usually huge places because they have to store all this stuff. So in those days, you you there would be like half the store would be for beer and the other half would be for wine. Now your store does wine and cider but no beer. So what was the what was the the, the executive decision that said, "Nah, we're not going to bother with beer."
1: Yeah, the uh the infrastructure for beer is a lot more expensive. There's a lot more capital cost uh with uh, getting kettles and stuff like that uh-huh. for for making beer and um, the yeast strains can be a little bit different between beer and wine, so we really like to keep uh, our store a little bit cleaner with uh, just having, the beer can be a little bit messier of a process as well, mm-hmm. and then also uh, we like to, we can also say that we're in a little bit more of a gluten-free environment for uh, people with uh, celiac disease or something oh, like is that that want to keep their
0: gluten And, and down. so that you're paying attention to the various yeasts you're using because
1: that's the source of the gluten, right? Uh, no, most yeasts don't have any gluten, but the uh, the barley, the hops, and the barley and ah. all that would have uh, could have some gluten. Well, already I'm <laughs> learning something. Here. So I would. I would
0: assume that uh, I would have assumed that yeast, uh, yeast had gluten, but nope. that's not the case at yeah. all. Okay. So <laughs> and, and cider. What is where do you? I'm going to ask you about sourcing your wine, but I'm assuming with the Okanagan in your backyard, if you're if someone goes to cork it and wants to make cider, they're going to use BC apples, right?
1: Yeah, for sure. We uh, we actually uh, a year or so ago we were able to source uh, some fresh press apple juice from the Okanagan. Uh, it's a farm called John Jop's Farms up in the Okanagan there, and he uh, sells his juice and apples out of farmer's markets. Uh, I think he goes to the Trout Lake farmer's oh, market sure, okay. quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, so every time he comes down for the farmer's market, he'll bring us uh, a couple of bags of 23-liter bags of juice, and uh, we add a couple some nutrients and ferment it up. Um, we've really started experimenting too with adding hops to some of our uh, some some of our ciders. The ciders, yeah. So that's kind of a new growing trend, and you can get really nice citrusy hops and have a citrus. Uh, cider,
0: interesting so. stuff. So
1: now the decision. The, I'm back,
0: just back to the beer for a quick second. I mean, uh, because the, it seems that the the U brew popularity of beer has kind of been replaced, if you will, by the craft
1: brewing industry, which is a whole other ball game, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, completely different licenses and uh, more, obviously more expensive. Um, I mean, I can't speak too much to how much, uh, how much the craft brewery is taken away from the u-brew industry. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's definitely, I think. My personal opinion would be that I think with how many options there are out there for craft beer, it's hard to commit to making uh, twenty-three or forty-six liters of one type of beer. Exactly. Yeah. Um, whereas wine, you can have it age for a lot longer in the bottles, and it can sit on your shelf for you know a year or two. And uh, if you you can if you get tired of the one batch, you can always leave it off to the side for a bit, and it will age and change and smooth out and get a lot better. So, how many bottles in a typical batch? Uh, batch is 23 liters, so uh, 30 bottles at the 750 milliliter size. Okay. Or you can put it pretty much in any sort of vessel you want. Uh, 1.5 liters would be about 15 bottles. Um, okay. Yeah. And, and I noticed I'm on the website. It, there
0: are all sorts of different options that you can make, different whites and reds and all of that sort of thing. How do you know? You're the winemaker here. You, you you've, uh, And I'll ask you about your school stuff in a minute. But um, how do you know... Uh, Where to go uh, and to be ahead of your customers. Clearly, you're going to order uh, wine kits from sources that are the most popular with your people, but also you want to be able to say, well, next time, next month, we're going to have some of this in from wherever, and you'll really want to try that. You're the guy out there getting those next ones. Where do you go?
1: Yeah, well, our our suppliers, actually, they're they're really good at uh, sourcing uh, new products. Our two main suppliers that we get from are one of One's called Global Vintners and the other one is Spagnols and they actually are owned by big conglomerates so they're able to source juice from all over the world and they do a pretty uh, exciting thing every year where we have limited release products mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. they the company comes up with uh, nice new emerging wines or fantastic wines from uh, s- certain areas around the world and then we bring them in on a limited quantity basis and they're sort of the top end, uh, new up and coming wines. Uh, just this month, we have an awesome uh, Syrah from from France, from the Lang- Languedoc. Oh, I which saw is Southern France, yeah. yeah which is, uh, I mean, I, it's been a while since I've seen a wine directly from france so that's that's pretty cool
0: oh good stuff yeah. okay and and so you are you in collaboration with your suppliers yeah uh, determine what's going to be available for your for your clients for sure so now how long the company your store has been around since 2000 yeah and you've been a co-owner and head winemaker for about a, at least six years yeah for sure uh, and with the company for about ten so how, t- how about popularity-wise? It's uh, in, a, in a, a pretty high, uh, area, of, of, uh, North a high area of North Vancouver, a high-traffic area of North Vancouver. How's business? Sure. And, and in terms of popularity, uh,
1: two, two questions here. How's business, and what do people like most? Yeah, uh, business is great. Uh, we're It's pretty amazing how year to year we're pretty similar almost every day. It's uh, If one person came in the year before, a day before, we might be down a little bit the one day. But then a week later, we're pretty much back up to the same. And uh, we are, my business is located in the Lower Lynn uh, Seymour area of North Vancouver, just over Second Narrows. So that's a really up-and-coming area. Exactly. They're, they're building tons of high-rises there and stuff. So we're pretty excited about that. And it's nice
0: when they move uh, large numbers of customers right
1: next door to your
0: business. That's yes, kind of handy, right. isn't it? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. So now, what do people like most? What are what are uh, Vancouverites most partial to when they have a chance to
1: to create a batch of their own wine? Yeah, I mean it's it's all over the board. I would say most people are looking for a big, full bodied. Uh, I would say chewy red that uh, has lots of flavor and lots of tannin to it. And uh, so something like an Amarone um, wine is, seems to be very popular. Uh, Cabernet is always very popular. Um, and then in the white wine side of things, uh, Pinot Grigio seems to be the go-to. It's sort of nice, easy drinking, not too, not too dry, not too sweet, just sort of a nice crowd pleaser, I would say. Mm-hmm. And, and so is it, is it all about price? Clayton, is that is that
0: why people do this, you brew your own wine stuff rather than just going down to the liquor store or the corner store and and getting a bottle? Is it about price or is it about the fact that you can actually cuz you don't have to just take it out of the box and make it according to the instructions?
1: You can actually personalize it? Is that the attraction? Yeah, I would say that's that's definitely a lot of the attraction. Uh price is definitely a big point for sure. sure. Um sometimes I describe to people that, you know, if you can Consume a $7 or a $5 bottle of wine throughout the week. You won't feel as bad when you go and buy that $50 bottle of wine at the uh, at the liquor store. But yeah, also we can definitely uh, personalize wines quite a bit. Uh, you can add more oak to the wine. You can add berries to the wine. Uh, around uh, blackberry season in the summer, actually, we get very uh, busy with people that pick their own blackberries and bring in blackberries, and we add them. I My personal favorite is to add them to a Merlot. Oh. And you get a nice blackberry nuance with uh, the Merlot wine in the background. And uh, people seem to really enjoy that. Boost up the alcohol uh, content a little bit. And uh, you just get a little more flavor out of the wine, for sure. Now, when just speaking of alcohol content,
0: and I don't know the answer to this question, because yeah. uh, at the liquor store, for example, when you, you see a bottle of wine, it usually says something like, alcohol by volume or whatever, uh, and you saying that you can increase, you can tweak the alcohol content in your personalized uh, wine that you're going to make yourself. Is, are there limits? Are you, for example, restricted? You can't send anybody home with a wine above X percent alcohol by volume?
1: I'm not actually sure if uh, we're restricted to a certain number, but you are restricted strictly by the yeast. The yeast can only ferment to about 16%, 17%. It's pretty hard to get, get it to ferment much past that. Uh, So you're sort of as much sugar that you have, it's going to ferment to as high as it can go, and then it's just going to stay sweet. So there is a bit of a balance there that if you don't want a sweet wine, you have to make sure you don't add too much sugar and try and get too high of an alcohol content. But usually uh, the yeast that we use is uh, champagne yeast, and it's it can ferment up to about 18% before the alcohol actually starts killing the yeast, oh, and, it, okay. and it can't ferment anymore. So do most
0: people go for kind of a high test option if they have a chance to engage? Uh, to
1: no. No? <laughs> no, most people, because you do want a balance. You don't want your wine to be too hot. Right. Um, it It would, you know, you'd start getting off flavors if you're trying to ferment too high and stuff like that, so... I would say most people stick with what the kits come with. There's certain kits that have a higher alcohol content. Like right. a big fuller body red's going to have more alcohol for Is sure. it
0: seasonal, for example, now in the wintertime are people more likely to make red wine and then as the seasons change and we get into summertime they'll they'll go for more batches of white because it's a more popular seasonal thing.
1: Yeah, it's it's a it's a little bit off though because we do try and encourage people to let their wine age at their house in the bottles for, for a couple of months. Mm-hmm. So it is you do really kinda want to be making your big red wines for the winter in the summer technically and be bottling them. Almost now would be the time when you want to be starting your big full bodied reds and bottling them in the next couple of months. For and next then winter. For next winter, yeah. Ah. So it's a bit of a planning ahead kind of thing. Or now uh with, with white wine it doesn't need to age quite as long. So definitely now is a good time to be making white wine as well. And then cider. Cider's always good year round, I would say. Cider's <laughs> always good. I'm not gonna fight you on that one, that's yeah. for sure.
0: <laughs> Our guest in studio is a winemaker. His name is Clayton Donahue. He's from Corkett Winemaking and well You have a chance to ask a winemaker wine questions. Let's open up those phone lines, 604-280-9898. Again, 604-280-9898. Your calls to Clayton Donahue from Corkett Winemaking when we return on Vancouver Consumer. Welcome back to the show. Sterling Fox, with you this Sunday morning. Joined in studio by Clayton Donahue from Corkett Winemaking in North Vancouver Clayton is co-owner of this business. He is also the head winemaker or vintner. I should describe your profession properly, <laughs> shouldn't I? Uh, you're you're in a part of North Vancouver. You're right near uh, Park and Tilford, just across the river from them. and In an area that's featuring, well, you've got a distillery as a next-door neighbor. There's a couple of craft breweries. So this is a part of North Vancouver that's going through a, a bit of a revitalization right now.
1: Yeah, for sure. And uh, we like to to kind of be on the forefront of it. So we're trying to sort of craft the community and the up-and-coming area around there Mm -hmm. and uh, with all the high-rises coming in. And, yeah, there's an awesome distillery, Sons of Vancouver, next to us there, right beside us, actually, that they moved in a couple years ago, and they've just really helped the area grow. And Bridge Brewing is just another block away And uh, there's Moja Coffee. And so the area is really becoming a nice area to ride your bike around mm-hmm. and stop at different areas and go down to uh, – and then go for a movie at Park and Tilford after or something like that. That's right. Lots of uh, new businesses run by young
0: entrepreneurs.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, the Sons of Vancouver's guy, uh, Richard and James, they're both really young uh 2425 oh, I believe my, yeah. and uh, yeah they're uh, they're great neighbors to have and uh really fun having sort of a young entrepreneur feeling around around the area for sure. Oh, bad. Good energy too, isn't it? Eh?
0: Now yeah. you talk about crafting community on the website. This is uh, again, it's a, any successful business usually is well integrated into its community and you've got uh, you got a few things that you do uh, combining Go ahead, tell us how this happens, Clayton. Yoga and winemaking. Over to you, big guy.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, uh, this was more of my uh, co-owner Melanie Gagnon's uh, sort of idea for sure. Um, she w- worked at a yoga studio uh, for a while before, and uh, yeah, she, you know, we we're only we're open eleven to seven, and the warehouse sits empty from after seven o'clock till the morning. So we were just looking for something to do and sort of. Fun thing to do. So uh, after we close at seven o'clock, we have a teacher come in and uh, everybody rolls out their mats in the middle of the wine store. And uh, yeah, it's kind of a sort of different atmosphere for doing yoga in. And uh, we just ask for donations, and uh, most of the donation goes to the teacher. So that's. uh, And and are they well attended? Uh, yeah, we, we sort of have a maximum of about 15 to 18, 20 people that and can And there's fit. no problem filling that group up. Yeah, no, no it fills That's up almost stuff. every week.
0: Yeah. Uh, talk to us about, uh, oh, by the way, 604-280-9898. If you have a question for a winemaker, now's your opportunity. 604-280-9898. Clayton, walk us through. The process of making wine the way you do it because uh, we all think we know and many of us have had a bash at a at at a a batch of wine or two over the years how does it work you go in and you buy a kit and what happens well first of all you go into the store and you find out what kind of kits are available even
1: yeah for sure yeah you come in and uh usually it'll be me or melanie there and uh yeah, we just. I usually like to have a conversation about what type of wine you like, sort mm-hmm. of what nuances you're looking for, and what type. If you want a sweet wine, a dry wine, or a lot of people like to try and get wines that are uh, that are produced closer to. Sort of you know Washington or the Okanagan to try to lower the carbon footprint of the wine a little bit. Oh, okay, uh, all right, which is good. Um, And of course, you can accommodate that. No problem. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, basically, once we pick the wine, um, we mix it up into a uh, primary uh, bucket, and then legally, uh, the customer has to be there to sprinkle the yeast. Okay, this is the part. Now, this is the part
0: that I remember from (laughs) the '90s and the U Brew and those winemaking years because there were restrictions. There were rules because the customer had to actually do something. Otherwise, you would be the winemaker and it would be a whole different thing. So what is – I gather that some of those rules are still very much in place. Oh, yeah. And so I have to actually do stuff while while my batch of wine gets made. So
1: one of those is, what, sprinkling the yeast? Yeah, sprinkling the yeast on top of the must, the juice the that starts the ferment, fermentation process is uh, what needs to happen before we can start the wine, and actually paying for the product is, uh, as well, okay. because uh, the government uh, feels that if you haven't paid for the product, it's not quite yours. Um, so yeah, that needs to happen. And then, oh, so you
0: pay for it up front?
1: Uh, Yeah, we we try and do uh, up front. I mean, you can pay. It's sort of the, the the rules in the liquor laws are that you have to at least pay for the product. Um, so we can work around people if they want to sort of space it out. Oh yeah, sure. um, I have friends though; they love paying for it up front because then you forget about it, and it's six done. weeks later you don't have to pay any more money, and you're you've already hopefully paid off the uh, the bill on your credit card or something.
0: Now I noticed that um, um, again, there these kits. They, they, this is this is basically concentrate, and we've talked about where you go around the world and the suppliers you use to to provide you with the concentrate. So the the concentrate you put, you t- uh, select. You're the concentrate that you want to make wine with. Then you have, you, the customer, have to actually physically sprinkle the yeast
1: into the concentrate. And then what happens? And then, yeah, and then we we take over from there and uh, we we put the wine into the back of the store where it's about 20 degrees so the wine can ferment. And the wine ferments for about 10 to 12 days. In what kind of container? Uh, it's it's a, a plastic bucket. It's called a primary. Oh, okay. um, and Very then, unglamorous but functional. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. And then um, after the fermentation process, uh, we use a tool called a hydrometer oh, sure. to, uh, to check uh, the specific gravity. And uh, when the specific gravity is at a certain level, it means all the, all the sugar has been eaten and consumed by, by the uh, yeast and you have an alcohol content. And once that happens, we uh, drop the wine out of the bucket using uh, uh, some racking tubes, it's called. So uh, the process of moving the wine from one bucket, one vessel to another, is called racking. And uh, we rack the wine into a a glass carboy. Oh, that's Uh, a huge glass uh, container. Yeah, not too huge, 23 liters. There is bigger ones as well, but Mm -hmm. we we try to, uh, a batch of wine is 23 liters, so we use the 23 liter carboys. And, uh, and then we add a couple of uh, clarifying agents. and Now do, uh, do, you, do you
0: add those or does the customer have to come back in at that point and once again, hands on with the process?
1: Uh, they can, if they like, they don't have to okay. though. Um, okay. but, so we do that process. And then the wine uh, slowly clears over uh, a couple of weeks, uh, depending on sort of the, uh, the quality of the wine and how if it a red wine usually takes a little bit longer to clear. And uh, once it's nice and clear, we put it through our filter machine. And then after that, uh, the process is pretty much done on our end, and we give you a call to let you know your wine is ready. And then as a customer, you come in and uh, bottle the wine.
0: Does it have to be bottled right away, Clayton, or can you you extend the... Uh, the bulk aging, because uh, I know there's a barrel option somewhere in there. Where does that come in?
1: Yeah, for sure. We offer a barrel aging uh, process where after the wine has been filtered, you can, uh, for a little extra cost, about 25 to $30, you can uh, put the wine into some of our uh, oak casts that we have. And what and does that do that uh, being in a glass container wouldn't do? uh with the oak you get uh you get a little more color out of the wine a little more complexity and then you ha- also have micro oxidization that happens uh so when the wine goes through a the wine goes through a micro oxidization when it's in the bottle as well, but the uh barrels just is more of a bulk as you say, and uh a little bit more uh Interaction with the uh, with the oak, and you get some vanillas and cloves and spices out of the So it really of the does barrels. Make a difference. So. Yeah, yeah, and you get a little more color, a little more of the copper color out of it, and it also helps the wine smooth out a lot quicker. Uh, So some people really enjoy that. So typically,
0: then, if I went for the barrel aging to just really, really dress it up nicely before it gets bottled, how long would it age in those barrels?
1: Uh, We have small 23-liter barrels that is about a month to two months. Okay. And then we have bigger barrels that uh, we do for about six months. All right. Yeah. And, And then at
0: that point, the bottling takes place. And then there's even more aging required depending on the patience of the consumer at this point yes
1: for sure yeah and 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 the preference some people prefer a younger wine that's more fruit forward or some people prefer an aged wine that has a little more caramel or a little more sort of softer flavors to Mm -hmm. it so it it really depends on the consumer i always try to tell people to at least hide six bottles maybe and and see what they turn into because inevitably uh Customer will come back and say, oh, my last bottle was the best. Right, of course. It always is. <laughs> yeah. That's right.
0: So now, so because we talked earlier about this, the ability uh, and the attraction, one of the attractions of making your own wine is that you don't have to make a stock wine from the, the box of concentrate. If you wanted to add, as you were talking about earlier, blackberries in season or other fruits, you can tweak
1: your uh, particular batch to your tastes, yeah, and you for can't
0: sure. you can't do that
1: uh, any other way, yeah, for sure, yeah, no, it's uh, yeah, it's definitely fun to be able to tweak stuff. You can also put uh, less preservatives in the wine if you want to as well, which uh, a lot of people seem to enjoy. Yeah, um, just to you know, we have a lot of preservatives in our lives, so if anytime you can. Take preservatives out, you may as well. So do people do that? Do they say, look, you know, I'd like mine as chemical-free as possible? Yeah, for sure. There is a bit more of a risk that you you can't age it quite as long. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of a, a uh, given the take, if you want to age it for longer, the, the preservatives do go out of the wine as it ages. It sort of dissipates out of the wine, so... Um. Is if you do put more preservatives, and you just want to let it age a little bit longer, and it'll mm-hmm. it'll disappear a little bit. For All sure. right. Phone lines are open. Julia and North Van, thanks for waiting. Hello. Hi there. Go
0: Hello. ahead to our winemaker, Julia.
1: Hi. I was wondering if there's an option to taste the wine ahead of time.
0: Oh, to see how it's doing as it's aging.
1: No, to just like the certain batches. If you if you wanted to taste one to know what your batch will taste like when you make it. Ah, that's a good question, Clayton. What's the deal? Yeah, so un- unfortunately, the government sort of ties our hands a little bit with that one. We're not, uh, we're not actually. We're back li- to those archaic you brew laws. Yes, exactly. Yeah, it would be, it would be awesome if we were allowed to have a tasting room, and hopefully the uh, government will wise up eventually and let us do that. Um, but, but the hoops the craft breweries had to dance
0: through to get to that tasting room. Permission, yeah. I for mean, sure. you you sit there and watch your peers in the industry, and you know what kind of dance is ahead of you if you want to get that yeah. tasting option
1: in your store. For sure, yeah. So right now, at the moment, we're not allowed to do tastings. We do, um, I do offer my services personally that I will uh, will come to your house if you'd like to host a uh, little bit of a wine tasting. I can bring a couple bottles and some. Oh, pairings. well, there you go, Julia. <laughs>
0: so there is. It's not. It's not completely diving into an unknown uh, quantity here. You can. You can have a chat with the winemaker. Yeah, and I'll just bring my own personal wine
1: and we can... Uh, That's have- representative of the, the the kits that you have at the yeah, store. Yeah, exactly, and we just offer that as a, it's a free service if you just email us or give us a call and we just uh, work, work out a time to... Uh, to come by your house and you can you know you can pair it as a good start to a party or something like that or well there's nothing wrong with having a few friends over and having a taste a few tastes and and of course uh, baking
0: all aiming to that big executive decision of well which what's type shall we make
1: first for sure and we do have a 100 percent guarantee because we're not allowed to offer uh tasters so if you do come in to bottle your wine and you try it and you just wasn't what you're expecting we can always uh, switch it to something else or or give you your money back My. Um, we you know it's a pretty big uh step to ask somebody to give you 200 dollars without trying the product well it, it is, goes, it is. So. i mean it's a fair question from julia and thanks for it i'm just looking at that uh, you have four
0: five six and eight week wine window options
1: i'm thinking what well, why tell us why uh well the the there's four week wines are sort of the the less expensive wines um they have they they ferment they ferment at the same rate but they clear a lot quicker and a little bit lighter in body more of your easy drinking just um you know not as chewy you don't need food with it per se mm-hmm. um and then the longer term wines just have a little bit more juice and a little more tannin so they take a little longer to clear um and then the yeah so, but I would say the longer wines definitely need a little bit more time in the bottle to age as well. They sort of have a structure that they're a little bit more unbalanced when you bottle them, mm-hmm. and they need a little bit more time in the bottle to age. So, Okay,
0: because of the short process up the front, the, the, the trade-off would be more aging time in the bottle at the backside of the, of the production. Table. Yeah, okay. for sure. Yeah. Um, Cost has always been an attraction for the U-brew and the U-wine-making industry. Um, what would a, a bottle, per bottle, you said a batch of, of, of wine is 30 bottles of the 750-milliliter wine bottles that we all know. So you make a batch of 30 of thirty bottles. Uh, what would the cost of the top end, of the, of the most expensive kit you've got in the place, what would the per bottle cost? roughly average out to
1: yeah so our most expensive is our eight week kits and then if you put it into our big barrel it's with about, the oak barrel the aging yeah, add, add that on too. add that on for okay. sure it would be uh, about 280 dollars. so you're looking at a, about nine dollars a bottle just uh yeah just over just under nine dollars a bottle and and what would the equivalent
0: quality wine a bottle of it cost at the liquor store just for comparison purposes because i know this
1: is a huge attraction for people who make their own wine yeah for Come sure on,
0: man it's really
1: <laughs> yeah, I would. I would uh, equate it to you know a fifteen to twenty dollar bottle of wine at okay. the liquor store. So half price, uh, basically. Right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So you know, you buy thirty bottles of wine. By the time you consume that, you've saved three hundred dollars or right. so. You know, right? Interesting <laughs> stuff, and had a lot of
0: fun in the process. Exactly. So that's uh, in terms of organizing things. You're suggesting that, for example, if you're going to try this for the first time, you might want to, for example, in January. Maybe look at something, a white for the spring and summer that you could have ready by. March or maybe uh, May or June—that would be. This would be a good time for the 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 summer batch right now, for, for sure. Yeah, and, and the high end reds
1: should also be. You should be worried. Should be thinking about them for next winter. Yeah, for sure. Um, I I have a friend. He said that you should always have about four hundred bottles in your in your house, so oh, you really? can always have them on on rotation, right? So, but yeah, now is definitely the time to start your whites for the summer for sure, and your reds uh, in the next month or so. Uh, And and with the limited uh, release products that we have, that's sort of the idea as they come out with them now to sort of get get all your wine started now for the rest of the year? Well, typically
0: January is a slow time in a lot of industries and for a lot of businesses. But in your business, I would think it would be the opposite. January is a time when anybody who has any money left after Christmas is going, well, let's let's get some wine organized here.
1: Yeah, for sure. Or if you want to save money over the next couple of months and not spend money at the liquor store, it's a great way to, to save money as well. But yeah, we're, we're pretty steady all the way. I would. We're steady... Pretty much all year. Uh, Our slowest time is sort of end of August, beginning of September. Just with everybody away on holidays sure. and kids out of school and stuff like that, but it's it seems it usually takes a week once the kids are back in school and the parents need their wine, so they, uh, they come, <laughs> come right. and start their batch. <laughs> Everything's back to normal. Break yep. out the
0: wine. Uh, you've got. A, I know that uh, you've got a first time a first time customer walks in and gets what twenty five bucks off a batch or a free buy, a, a uh, bunch of wine bottles. Y- What's the deal? Yeah, about?
1: we do uh, twenty five dollars off or or a free batch of bottles. So thirty bottles. Uh, the bottles we sell for a a dollar a bottle mm-hmm. so you save about $30 if you get the bottles but that's more just to encourage people to make the process as easy as possible um, we also do have um, we have a little bit we try to invest a lot into our equipment so we have uh, really nice bottle bottle washing equipment so if you do have your own bottles and you bring in your bottles we have a nice automated uh, you just load up the rack and put it in it's and so, you can
0: do custom labeling and all
1: that oh stuff, yeah we course. have custom labels yeah people love making custom oh, labels yeah, for, their, the fun, for weddings it? and uh you know, just joke labels and everything sure. like that. So, oh, good deal.
0: Well, it's been great having you come by. I, I hope that uh, 2017 is as consistently successful for you as the previous fifteen have been. It's great to meet you, and um, uh, thanks
1: so much. For, oh, Facebook page, tell us about that because this is where you learn about the yoga nights and all the rest of that stuff. Yeah, if right? you want to, uh, d- if you sign up for on our Facebook, it's uh, Corket Winemaking on Facebook there. And uh, you can sign up, and we that's where we try and get most of our information out to uh, the community and what's going on. Uh, we also have an email that you can sign up on our website if you want to s- receive emails from us with specials and everything like that. But Facebook is definitely the, the go-to for communicating with all of our great customers and our community. All right. And
0: the web—the uh, the, home-based website is com. Co-owner and head winemaker from Corkett is Clayton Donahue. Thanks for coming by and joining us on Vancouver Consumer. Some interesting yeah. uh, information there. I I know I've learned some. Yeah, thanks for having me. My pleasure. Back with more right after this. Vancouver's News, Vancouver's Talk. This is News Talk 980 CKNW. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.